Good morning. Wonderful, wonderful to see all of you here this morning as we dig deep into God's Word. And dig deep we shall. So let's get your Bibles out and let's start talking. Many of you will remember scenes such as this. Tools that preachers used a long time ago, I don't know when, but um, they would paint sheets, basically. And it would have some sort of illustrative message going uh, along with the lesson that they presented. This is uh, an excellent lesson on you know, how those that are, are, in, are in sin, the deceived, deceivers, murderers, persecutors, can go through the plan of salvation, through Christ, be added to the blood-bought body, the blood-bought church where Christ saves. You see there in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 23. And a lot of preachers used illustrations like this. If, if I would have done it today, I would have a big sheet that would have taken hours and hours and hours to have painted, as artistic as I am, and I would have shown this to you. Well, now we have these marvelous digital projectors that allow us to do some things just like this. And I thought, why not use that this morning to illustrate a similar point? Many of you know that I like to garden. And one of the things I grow are Roma tomatoes. And this year I canned 19 quarts of marinara sauce because I like pizza and spaghetti. guess I'm Italian or something. But it takes more than Roma tomatoes. It takes oregano, it takes salt, it takes brown sugar, which goes into most spaghetti sauces. You probably didn't know that. And it takes a lot of processes. It takes about four hours minimum to boil it down, to cook it so that everything simmers well. And it takes about four hours to process it in the cold packer because I don't want a, a, a pressure cooker on my stove just yet. But nevertheless, it's a process that gets me this end result. Salvation is much the same way. Some people say that all you need is faith to be saved, and they'll quote passages. All you need to do is believe, and you'll be saved, which there's some truth to that partly. And they'll quote passages. Well, the Bible does not contradict itself, so somebody's got to be wrong when you're having that sort of conversation. We're going to talk today about the process of salvation. My marinara is not just tomatoes. It's not just a jar. It's not just oregano and some other ingredients. It's not just any of those one things. But it's a lot of different things that put together through a process and get the end result. Salvation, as we look at the totality of teachings within the New Testament, we see several teachings on salvation. And since the Bible does not contradict itself, we must take all of those points regarding salvation and preach that today. So that we may teach people how to be saved. We don't tell them that it's faith alone, that it's belief alone, or even that it's, that it's grace alone. But it's a lot of different things working together. I come up, came up with this salvation process illustration. 
And I've prayed and I've shown it to other people. And I believe that it takes the totality of the teachings in the New Testament of when Christ was here, when he sent the disciples out, when Paul and Peter and the others wrote their letters, that we look at what they teach about salvation and we end up with a final product of what we are to teach other people. Because I just can't take the verses on faith, I just can't take the verses on baptism and say, look, that's all you need, because there's a lot more. I am not preaching the whole counsel of God if I but say one thing, one thing that's going to get you to come here. I can't do that. I've got to preach it all. Mankind will find himself, you individually, will find yourself in one of two states. A lost state outside of Christ, or you will be in Christ, added to the body of Christ. Acts chapter 2, which puts you in a state of salvation. We are all going forward to the judgment day someday where we will be condemned or brought into God's heavenly abode. You see that illustrated here. Now some of these things, as you will see, are linear. They are moving forward, such as our first point, which is here. You've got to hear the word of God. You've got to hear about Jesus. You've got to hear the lesson I'm speaking to you this morning so that you know what scripture teaches. A lot of preachers might not ever open a Bible. If you've got a preacher doing that, you need to find you another preacher. Because you've got to be open in this Bible right here. You've got to be looking at it. I can't just be up here telling you what I think is right. I've got to find it here. And I've got to tell you about it. And one of the things Scripture tells us is we've got to hear. And this is pretty obvious. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Romans ten seventeen, King James Version registers it, the word of God. But you've got to hear about Jesus and about what he's done for you. The next thing you have to do is you have to believe. When you hear about Jesus, then you take a belief in him, don't you? You start believing. And this is how hearing saves you, right? Me planting my tomatoes makes my marinara sauce. Am I done? No, not yet. I've still got to do a lot more things, but that starts the process. You see, you see, you got to hear, although you're still kind of in that lost state. Then you believe. You believe in what the scripture is teaching you. Well, here's another passage. Imagine that. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Is faith necessary? Yes, we'll get to that in a moment. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Part of this salvation process is we've got to be seeking God. We have got to be going after him and learning more about him every day. Let's look at Romans chapter 10 and see what it has to say about belief. So as we look at Scripture... We see what it teaches. This follows logically. You have to hear about the word of God. The Ethiopian eunuch heard about that. The people on the day of Pentecost heard about Jesus and about what he had done. And they asked, what shall we do to be saved? Because they started believing it, you see. They heard what Peter was telling them. And then they started believing. So belief is important too. Romans chapter 10 and verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching, Paul tells the Romans. And here's a good indicator of a process. Some people will say, well, if he wanted you to do that for salvation, he would have mentioned it. Well, 
Every time it talks about salvation in Scripture, it's not going to list every single point because it has to take into account where the person is. Okay? Whenever, you know, when they were talking to the Ethiopian, to the Philippian jailer, which I'll refer to in just a little while, you know, he went and was baptized. He already believed. So they didn't necessarily have to convey to him, well, you've got to believe. Well, I already believe. What are you telling me that for? Okay? But the Scripture has to see within context. Where is that person who needs to hear the gospel? You in here, if you've been coming here for a while and, and you, you know, have not yet been baptized or not yet a Christian, you've been coming here for a while, I don't have to tell you, well, you've got to believe because you obviously already do. So passages will list things necessary for salvation. They don't necessarily list 100% of them, but within Scripture, within the wisdom found therein, you will see what is also necessary for salvation, and we must preach it all. Verse 9, that if you confess, that's important. We'll get to that in a moment. With your mouth, Jesus says, Lord, and believe, you've got to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Is belief important? Yes, it is. It's very important. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. Because when you believe, when you believe at the end of this lesson, and you hear more about baptism, you hear more about confession, about the examples we'll refer to, that's going to result in something. Some people might start here. See, all it says, you got, all you got to do is believe. That's all you got to do. Well, the, the devil's demons believe and they tremble. Are they saved? They're not saved. They believe and they know who God is, but that belief does not save them. Neither does it alone save us. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in in salvation. All of those things are so very important, but so are some other things that we find in Scripture. Because you can't stop there. You can't stop and say, well, I like that passage. I'm just going to stop right there and I'm not going to preach anything else. No. You've got to teach it all. The next step being repentance. A turning away. I am living my life in sin. I need to turn away from that and start going a different direction. I change my behavior. It's not enough to say, I repent. Anybody can say that. But you've got to actually do repentance. You've got to start acting differently. Luke 13, 3, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Is repentance important? Yes, it is. It's most definitely important. It's not necessarily mentioned in Romans chapter 8, however. You see how this is working? We have to look at what the Bible teaches about salvation. And one of the things it teaches is it teaches about repentance, about changing your life, about changing your ways. Next, we have to confess. The Romans chapter 10 passage mentions that, as well as Matthew chapter 10. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Confessing that we believe in Christ is important because Jesus is going to take that confession and present it to the Father. Confession is important for salvation. It is necessary. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. We don't want that to happen. Next, baptism. Lots of teachings in the New Testament regarding baptism. And if you'll notice the arrows, you know, you're always hearing, right? You're always learning more. That doesn't stop. Your belief continues to move on and actually changes and grows into faith, you see. But these particular elements are at points in time. 
They are at moments in time, such as repentance. When someone comes forward, Christian or not, and they repent, it is a moment in time. I've done something wrong. I want to change that. And they move forward acting differently. Confession. We take a confession up front. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? That person says, yes, I do. And that is a confession, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. It is a point in time. Baptism is a point in time. Something that we do. Something that Scripture commands. And he said to them, Jesus said these words that you see in your Bible and that you see on the screen. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. Belief is important. Hearing is important. And if he's been baptized and believed, he shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Wait a second there, Dale. It doesn't say that he who disbelieves and is not baptized shall be condemned. Well, he didn't have to. He who eats and digests shall be saved, shall be filled. That's right. He who eats and digests shall be filled. He who does not eat will go hungry. Do I have to mention the digestion part? No, I don't. Because you hadn't eaten yet. When somebody believes whenever they want to put on Christ in baptism, they believe and they are baptized. If they disbelieve, are they going to be baptized? No. So it is an English component here that says it doesn't have to be mentioned. He who eats and digests shall be filled. He who eats not shall go hungry. It's the same thing. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. There is the necessity of salvation here. But he who disbelieves shall be condemned, Matthew 16. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 3, 21. How can one say that baptism is not important when these verses are here? A lot of people want to refute the necessity of baptism. And when I get into conversations about this topic, We eventually get to the point where the person finally concedes that it is necessary. They're just saying it in a different way. But those who want to refute the necessity of baptism, I believe this comes from an attitude that Jesus illustrates in Matthew chapter 20. There were workers who had been toiling all day and they had gotten the same pay as the people who had worked just a little bit. They started in the early morning, worked all day and got their payment. And then people who started maybe after lunch got their same payment as well. And people were upset about that. Jesus was most likely referring to the Jews who knew they had been Jews for generations. They had been part of God's kingdom. And now Jesus is going to allow the kingdom for all people. And this was disconcerting to them. There is a mindset in our Christian age of today that says, I want to be saved like that person right there. And because that person maybe was saved in a particular way, that's what I want. The same people in Matthew chapter 20, you know, I want what they want. They got paid the same. Why, did, why have I been working since 6 a.m.? I, I should have started later on. There's that attitude. And when that happens, you are missing the point of a lifetime of servitude for Christ. You are missing out on that. A lot of people say, I want to be saved like that person. I want to live how I want all my life. And then when my deathbed finally comes, ask Jesus to save me. I want to be saved like the thief on the cross. If this is your attitude, then you're missing the point. Paul asked, shall we continue in sin that grace may increase? Romans chapter 6. 
Shall we continue in sin that grace may increase? I certainly hope not. Well, Jesus will save me if I just, if I just believe. Will he? Will he gloss over the times that you did whatever you want, flippantly living as though Christ did not exist and as though Christ did not die for you? That goes smack against what Scripture teaches, to come forward and to live an obedient life, not living for yourself and hope that you make it underneath the wall before it comes down and shuts on your chance to repent. The jailer was baptized in Acts chapter 16. 3,000 were baptized in Acts chapter 2. The Ethiopian eunuch was baptized in Acts chapter 8. And even our Savior Jesus himself was baptized. Say what you may. But But the Bible teaches that baptism is necessary. Along with all these other points, baptism puts you into a state of salvation. It adds you to the body of Christ, Acts chapter 2. It adds you to the church. It puts you in that state of salvation. Now you're a Christian. Now you're a Christian. I became one in the month of August several, several years ago. And still am today. Living faithfully. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, as we're instructed to do. You've got to be perfect now? No. You're still going to mess up. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, we all sin. Paul called himself the chief of sinners. We're all going to mess up regularly. But we're not necessarily living in a state of sin. We're not living in sin continually. Okay? There are some things that happen within this process, within this state of salvation. Your faith continues to be developed. And you live a faithful life. You start to to work. You start to work for Christ. You start to teach other people. You start to raise a Christian family. And a lot of people would negate this point. Works aren't important. Well, what's the Bible say? What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but has no works, can that faith save him? No, it can't. James 2.14. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Faith is important. And so are works. And we see that clearly here. You can't be baptized and live as you please. You have to live a faithful life, as I said, Revelation 2 and verse 10. But then there's one of my favorite words, grace. Grace and forgiveness. It covers up that sin. Christ's blood what he said he, is, he will do for us if we strive to live faithfully. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. Now works are important. We saw a moment ago it's how you show that you have faith. However, this passage then says, don't think you can work your way to heaven because you can't. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. This passage is here so that we don't take too much pride, too much credit for our own salvation. Because you can't work your way to heaven. We can't do enough good to merit our way into heaven. But what has happened is Christ has reached across that chasm and he has grasped us with his love and with his salvation and he pulls us across. And we don't have to think, well, I've got to do so many things so I can be saved. No, not at all. Show your faith by your works, and God will handle the rest. 
Well, even though we're in this state of salvation, there is a danger of returning to sin and going back to that life we once lived. Galatians chapter 5. Let's turn there. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 2. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives it that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You see, these were were people who were trying to go back to the old law. These were Christians who had started living for Christ, but they were trying to say that some parts of the old law were still very important. And Paul tells them, no. That stuff's not going to work for you anymore. Verse 4, you have been severed from Christ. You are seeking to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. They were at one time Christians. They tried to revert back to the law. And he tells them words out of Paul's mouth from his pen. You have fallen from grace. A faithful Christian can do just that. They can stop coming to church. They can stop living For their family, they can stop living for Christ. They can start indulging in all sorts of worldly desires. And at that point, that person has loved the world and the things in the world. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. Because he loves those things that are in the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And it's by those behaviors that someday we will be judged. And God will tell us to come to his right or come to his left, but... That person now is, does still have a chance because you can repent and return. Luke chapter 13 and verse 3 and also verse 5. This is the process of salvation, that one may come to Christ. There's another way of looking at it because there's one of two ways that we're all walking right now. There's this path, the one that does lead us to glory. While on this path, however, as we just mentioned a moment ago, as we might go our own way rather than the way of Christ, you can get off this path because it is a difficult one. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13 says, Enter through the narrow gate. Your King James Version will say, Enter through the straight gate. S-T-R-A-I-T. Not straight like this, but straight as in narrow. The hiking I do, I'm on a narrow path. And it's very, very narrow sometimes. And I could fall to the left or the right and get hurt very seriously. But it's winding and it's difficult. But here Matthew, the book of Matthew says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. That process of salvation, many will deny that it exists. Many will deny the Scripture's teaching on baptism, on faith, even on grace. They'll say, oh, it doesn't mean that. Let me tell you why that's wrong. Let me tell you why Peter didn't mean that about baptism. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you that. I just want to hear the Bible. I just want to hear what it has to say about salvation. I don't want it explained away as though it were a cookbook or something like that because it's much, much more important than that. But then there is another path. One that's quite different. It is wide and it is broad. And as we walk down the road, it's real easy when you're on this path walking and you can go over here, you can go over there. If you're out here on this street like that, it's easy to walk down that path. Enter through the narrow gate. The rest of that passage says, For the gate is wide and the way is broad. That leads to destruction. 
And there are many who enter through it. We have to ask ourselves, what is it that we are following? Are we on that wide and broad path? Or are we on the narrow path? Are we on the straight path, the narrow path that leads to life? Turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 is a wonderful glimpse into the coming judgment. When God will separate the lambs from the sheep. And he will tell those on his right to come to him into his heavenly abode, and the others, those on the left, he will say to them, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, he will say to those on the left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. So there are two groups of people that's going to happen on Judgment Day. They're going to be on the broad, lost path, because they're in a lost state, and those that are Christians that are striving to live faithfully, which he's already spoken of them. But in verse 42, to those that he is condemning on his left, I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in naked, and you did not clothe me sick, and you did not visit me while in prison. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you. These are faithful people, so to speak. These are people that thought they were doing right. And there are people on this earth right now, maybe within the shot of my voice, who believe they're right, but may not be, based on the teachings of Scripture. And you must decide that. Verse 44, Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you? Do all of these things. Where, where were you in these moments, Lord? They thought they were faithful. They thought they were okay, but they were not. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 is another passage that reflects upon those who believe they are right in Christ, believe they are safe within their soul, but in reality they are not. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Are you doing the will of the Father? Are you following salvation doctrine, salvation scripture, as I have laid it out this morning? If you need to talk more about it, we can. But there's going to be people who have said to Jesus, Lord, I love you. Lord, I want to live for you. And they're just not doing it right. Because they're not going with what scripture says. They're going with feelings. They're going with what, what somebody has told them. They're not following scripture. And brethren, that's what we've got to do. We have got to follow scripture so that we know we are on that straight path and not on the broad way which leads to destruction. Decide this morning, please, which one you believe yourself to be on. And take steps to get on the correct one. To get on the one that will put you in contact with the blood of Christ that will put you on the way that will lead to heaven some sweet day and a better life even on this earth. Because by following Scripture, your life will be blessed now and in eternity. If you want to be baptized, we we are equipped, we are ready to baptize you now just like the eunuch was, just like the jailer was, just like Jesus was. We're ready to baptize you now and you can become a Christian this morning. Won't you do so now as we stand and sing?